We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFP Nation All-America podcast. My name is Bill Trochi, senior editor at SportingNews.com, and I'm joined by Bill Bender, lead college football writer at SportingNews.com. Thank you to everyone for listening to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And for those of you watching on our YouTube channel at CFP Nation, if you have time to leave a review on Apple, that would be great. If you could have time to leave some comments and a like on YouTube, that would be great. A thank you to Irish Breakdown, your source for Notre Dame football information. They have a tremendous lineup of podcasts and great stories at irishbreakdown.com. You can follow Bill on Twitter at BillBender92. You can follow me at Bill Trochi. And keep an eye on the main Sporting News account at Sporting News. Uh, five weeks, Bill. We've stand five weeks. Well, how, how long was this countdown when I started it? We were five weeks from week zero at this point. I feel like I, I started it right in January, did I not? <laughs> I think so. We're, we're moving right along. We're in the heart of media day season. Um, yeah, it's it's gone fast. We'll have SEC this week, Big Ten next week, ACC next week. And there is that little lull before week zero, but we'll have plenty of content to fill it in there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Well, absolutely. Now, we have a lot of Notre Dame listeners on our feed, uh, thanks to Irish Breakdown. You were on the hallowed grounds mm-hmm. this weekend. You saw and looked up at Touchdown Jesus himself. Tell us about the, the weekend in South Bend. Yeah, I'm representing again the, the 256 <laughs> lacrosse club got to tour South Bend. We played in nearby Edwardsburg, Michigan. The boys did awesome, by the way. They, uh, I think we had two teams win including our, our grade level, won the tournament, one finished second, and the other two got to the semis. It was an impressive thing. That wasn't even the coolest part. We got to tour the Notre Dame lacrosse facility, and my son Grant, who's a goalie, got to meet. Right when the tour started, um, this guy named Liam Intman walked in, and he's a decent goalie at Notre Dame. And uh, my son got to meet him, and it was awesome. It, that That campus, whenever you walk around the football stadium, see the statues, see Touchdown Jesus, you can't help get a little hyped up for football season and I know the Irish are very excited about where they're at going into this year but it was an awesome weekend it got me going because once we got home I was tired as I was from the drive um very proud of the boys and very excited to get college football started yeah and uh like you said in Nashville this week SEC media days are are rolling Monday through Thursday we are recording this on Tuesday it should be published Wednesday on the CFB Nation feed on Apple Podcasts. And the uh, Pac-12 will be on Friday of this week. And Pac-12, it's funny, they have one day and the SEC has four days, but the Pac-12 might even have more storylines with Deion Sanders and Caleb Williams and USC and UCLA leaving. And they're going to cram it all into one day. So that'll be interesting to keep an eye on Friday in Las Vegas. But today we are going to talk SEC. Before we get started, though, I have an SCC-themed Trochi trivia. It's very straightforward, Bill. I have a, a one-game winning streak on you, a one-week right. winning streak on the on the Trochi trivia. This one's straightforward, and uh, we'll see if you can get it. What SEC team scored the fewest points in 2022? Okay. That's it. That's it. Straight up. Who had the worst offense in terms of scoring last season? Like- I feel like it's a trick question. But, um, <laughs> it may be. I went to Vanderbilt. I know. Like that's... you're trying to decide: would I embarrass Vanderbilt, or would I would I do it to trick you? A little reverse trickery. You, you got to figure this out. You have until the end of the show to figure out who scored the least amount of points in the SEC last year. Um, so let's talk about first. We'll t- we'll start at the top of the league. Which program is the closest? to dethroning Georgia. You and I talked about this yesterday. Who's the closest to dethroning him this year? And then who might be closest to dethroning them five years from now? That may be a different answer. Do you want What's me to your answer? answer to who who might dethrone them this year? Their, their schedule is Cupcake City, and we may not get them tested until the SEC championship game and then the playoff, which is still a three-game gauntlet, no matter how you – you know, if they make it all the way. but. Uh, What's your thoughts on that for this year? Uh, Alabama. And and I know they have to figure something out at quarterback, but I just, with Alabama, you're conditioned to, the first thing you need to do is look at their schedule. And all of the tough ones are at home. They play Texas at home. They play Tennessee at home. They play, um, who am I forgetting? The other, uh, LSU at home, of course. And LSU would be most people's other answers. Now, when I say that, I say, just remember this fact all the way through the season, college football playoff era, Alabama is 59 and two at home, 59 and two. And 
One year when they lost one, they lost to Old Miss. They still won the national title. The other one they lost at home, they lost to some guy named Joe Burrow, who when we look back in 10 years, we may say that was the greatest single season team in uh, college football history. So I would, vote, I would vote for that. Yes, I would vote for that. Right. Well, if, I, if I had to vote today, that 2019 LSU team was insane. So you have to beat them at home. And like I said, quarterback's a huge question, but the roster's still loaded with four and five star guys. I think they're going to win the West. And I think at the end of the day, they'll get a crack at Georgia and Atlanta. And we've seen this movie several times and they may do it twice. Who knows? But I, I, I would pick Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I think I would go with LSU just because of the quarterback advantage and the fact that they beat them last year. So they have a little bit confidence, maybe that uh, you know they've 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 toppled uh, Alabama to win the West. Is my point, you know, to get into that right. SEC championship game. You know, LSU feels good about itself. Um, I thought Brian Kelly's answer yesterday about chasing Georgia was very interesting. I mean, he he was asked specifically, you know, about the rest of the league closing the gap on Georgia. So he wasn't really dissing Alabama when he started talking about Georgia, like, you know, he forgot about Alabama or something like that. But, um, you know, he's a frank guy sometimes. His quote was, I know that based upon how we've recruited and how we'll continue to recruit, that we'll have a football roster that will be able to compete against Georgia. Is that right now? No, it's not. But if we continue to do what we're doing, we're going to have a roster that can compete against Georgia. So he admits that there's still a gap uh, between LSU and Georgia. He felt it in the national, I mean, in the SEC championship game last year. But he he has his sights set on them. And, you know, you never know with a new quarterback like Georgia's has this year and how he's going to perform in the biggest of games. Jaden Daniels has a little more experience. And uh, he played well, actually, in the SEC championship game against Georgia. Yeah, it's not a bad answer. Like, I don't like – I'm not going to vehemently disagree with you and for the sake of creating podcast fodder because <laughs> LSU's got a lot of talent. And they've got – one of the things that struck me looking at some of these preseason all-SEC teams is what he's got up front on the defensive side. He's got Wingo. He's got Smith. He's got uh, Perkins on the edge. So they've got guys up front. And, and LSU has never – it's never been – talent hasn't been the issue with LSU. Not for 20 years. I mean, they've got the guys to match up with Georgia. Now, last year, maybe they don't have the depth. And I think that's what BK was talking about. And like you said, they do have, by all accounts, and I know we're going to talk quarterbacks later. I mean, you can make the case Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in the conference. So, with that, yeah, that, that's not a bad answer either. I just still think, okay – you don't think Nick Saban knows they lost that game last year down in Death Valley. And it just comes down to me, if it's a coin flip, LSU has to play at Alabama. And that's why I'm going to go with Alabama on that one. So I was looking at Georgia's schedule, just, you know, in fact that trying to dethrone them or whatever, and trying to figure out where they might trip up this year, even though they're going to be a heavy favorite pretty much throughout the year. But I looked at last year. So the, the one game that they, they almost tripped up was at, Missouri unexpectedly had to come back in the second half and that kind of came in a, a you know it was October 1st they spent September just beating the daylights out of everybody uh they had to go on the road and so I was kind of looking at this year's schedule is there a 
you know, a road game that could come after a series of blowouts. They lose concentration a little bit, and that team might have enough talent to, you know, make some noise like Missouri did last year. And I came up with – it's almost the same point of the, of the schedule. September 30th, they're at Auburn. They, mm-hmm. they should roll through September. UT Martin, Ball State. South Carolina will have their attention, but they will probably kill them. But they will have their attention like they usually do. It'll be the first SEC game. Then they're going to crush UAB the next week, I would think. And then uh, suddenly they're at Auburn, and maybe they get caught napping there. But really – I can't find another right. place where I'm worried about it. Can you? No, I think they'll start 10 to no. I do. And I think when they go to Knoxville, that's going to create a lot of hype. And, you know, unless, but every time you say that, and I thought, honestly, when you were going to say this, I thought you were going to say South Carolina because that's kind of the last one they lost where you were like, whoa, that shouldn't have happened. Um, you know, and that was going on four years ago now. When Florida beat them, when they had Kyle Trask, we weren't like surprised. Florida was pretty darn good that year. Florida was good enough to score a lot of points on Alabama in the SEC championship game. So it would come out of nowhere. And we've talked about that in past podcasts about we'll know where we are if it happens in one of those first 10 games because of this machine that Kirby Smart has built at Georgia. All right, moving on. Uh, First-year coaches. There's two in the league. Are we doing the five-year question? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, let me question. Yeah, I was going Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Okay. You got so distracted with how great Georgia is. <laughs> I, well, here, I'll make it easy on you, Bill. Is LSU your answer? No, it's Alabama. It's still Alabama. Yeah, it's still Alabama. So, is again, Nick still coaching this Alabama team in 2028? Well, I don't, I'm not worried if he is. And, and here's a little stat Ooh. for you, too. It's like, because you know, Kirby Smart's still going to be at Georgia in 2028. Right. LSU. Since 2000, when Nick Saban became coach, they've had 12 seasons with 10 wins or more. Uh, Alabama's had 15 straight with 10 years or more. So I just think that long-term stability is built in. Quarterback's such a question right now. They have Julian Sane coming in. Um, when Nick Saban leaves, and everybody asks this question all the time, I, I got to go back to, okay, what happened when Bob Stoops left Oklahoma? They were fine with Lincoln Riley. It's actually got... That goes against like the conventional method that we do with this. It's Riley was fine. It's Brent Venables that's in trouble, the second coach. So when Urban Meyer left, what's Ohio State going to do? They've just, the beat goes on. Now I'm not saying the next guy is going to win six national championships and maintain this ridiculous dynasty, but I'm saying whoever inherits the job is going to have enough talent to win 10 games a year and, and challenge for SEC West championships and playoff berths and those kind of things. So I I guess I could say like Texas or something, but that would be being too cute. I'm going to say Alabama now, Alabama in five years. And as long as Nick Saban's on the sideline, my answer would probably be Alabama. My answer is I don't have an answer other than Georgia's gap will widen. Okay. Over the rest of the league. Because – Kirby's building something and he's not going to slow down. He's so young and he's so committed and he's so focused and there's so much talent in the state of Georgia and Alabama is going to have to make a coaching transition at some point, right? I mean, at some point, at some point, um, you know, BK's in place. He's in his sixties too, you know? So I just think Georgia's is set up 
to dominate. And I know the SEC is hard to dominate in, but I feel like they they will extend their their gap on the rest of the league over the next five years. Um, so, topic number two: SEC first year coaches. There's two: Mississippi State, Zach Arnett, and Hugh Freeze at Auburn. The over under. Wins. My question for you is who wins more games in year one? Both teams over under is six and a half. Uh, Mississippi State won, I think, nine last year and Auburn won five. But they're, according to DraftKings, they have equal over unders at six and a half. Do you have a, a feeling who might do better in year one at Mississippi State or at Auburn? Well, it probably will be whoever wins that game. And last year, Mississippi State beat them 39 to 33 in overtime. But my answer will be Auburn because I looked at their non-con and I see 4-0. UMass, Cal, Samford, New Mexico State. That's 4-0. They got Vanderbilt in the crossover. Sorry, Bill. They're going to win that one. That'll be five. And then if they beat Mississippi State, Hugh Freeze has them in a bull game. And I'll go as far as say as those other six games, which is the rest of the West and Georgia, that they'll steal one from somebody that they're like, we're like, how did Hugh Freeze win that game? And they get to seven and five. So that would be my prediction for them. And I think with Mississippi State, I'm going to go six and six. So I literally think the winner of this game will be the answer. And I like Auburn to beat Mississippi State. I think Hugh Freeze, you know, you just said it. I mean, the fact that you're even contemplating that they could beat Georgia somehow speaks to what Hugh Freeze has done in the SEC and how that offense can bother people. And I just talked about how they beat Alabama way back in 2015 with an offense that bothered Alabama. I agree. I'm a little worried about Mississippi State and their transition offensively this year. They're going away from the air raid, and it's a dramatic shift. Dramatic shifts usually do not work well in year one. Defensively, they weren't great last year. So I do think that they, the transition is going to struggle. Auburn, the personnel, we don't know, right? It's the right. huge transfer uh, portal team. So we'll see what Hugh Freeze can do with that. But, yeah, I lean Auburn. I like your point about the non-conference schedule too. Uh, but it is interesting to me that both teams are, are slated for the six and a half as far as the over-under is concerned. But. Yeah, I'm a little worried about Mississippi State. Something to keep an eye on. Plus, they have a, a non-conference game against Arizona. They're getting better. They killed them last year. They really played well down in Arizona. But um, it's year two. I think Arizona's on the rise, and that's going to be an early game. Mississippi State's going to be feeling themselves out a little bit. A non-conference loss there could hurt uh, in terms of you know trying to get that over under, trying to get more wins than Auburn. So that's my feeling there. Um Hot seat guys. Do you have any guys on the hot seat in the SEC? I came up with Jimbo Fisher and Eli Drinkwitz, but even there, it's kind of lukewarm for both of them. What do you think? Yeah, I, you know, and then the guys that got hired in, I mean, like Zach Arnett's not going to be on the hot seat unless they go like 0-12. Uh, right. And Lane Kiffin has kind of – he's at Ole Miss. Even right. Though rumors I totally about him, agree. Right. Totally agree. Like, he's not going somewhere, so – um, your two choices are good. So I'll let you expand a little bit on, uh, Eli and, uh, Jimbo and, and what they face going into this yeah, year. Yeah, Just to review. So Drinkwitz three years at Missouri, 17 and 19, uh, went five and five, six and seven, six and seven, 
just kind of, you know, middling along 11 and 15 in the SEC. The, the five and five year, of course, was the 2020, the COVID year. It was all SEC games. So that was not a bad debut, uh, but has not really taken a step forward. And, you know, they've got Brady Cook, a quarterback. We think he may or may not be the answer. There's a potential that they kind of fall off the map with, you know, if they have a little bit, unfortunate. If they go like two and 10, three and nine, then I think people look at the four years. He, it's not like he has a track record. He was at Appalachian State for one year before he was hired into the SEC. So you can't look back and be like, well, he's he's done it here and there. I mean, he's he's still kind of a rookie head coach. I like him. He's great in press conferences. But um, if he finishes even four and eight or worse, you know, he could be on the hot seat. And then to review Mr. Fisher, everybody knows. So he's right. been at Texas A&M for five years. Basically, in one really good year, the COVID year, which to me, it's hard to replicate. Uh, you know, a lot of teams, it had just players out all over the place and practices and just the whole season was totally weird. But give them credit. They went nine and one. They won the Orange Bowl. They basically fulfilled expectations of what Jimbo Fisher is supposed to do during that COVID year in 2020. The other four years he's been at Texas A&M. They are a combined 15 and 17 in the SEC, unranked at the end of the season, three out of those four years. And he's not had more than eight regular season wins in any of those four years. Um, he has, as a reminder, nine years and $85 million remaining on his deal. What gets him even further on the hot seat, Bill? Well, I, I'll say I think they're going to be good this year. I think, and some of that's the Bobby Petrino factor. Some of it's Connor Wigman. I think Evan Stewart could have a breakout season. Ruben Owens, they've got pieces and they've got talented pieces. So, you know, all of the dysfunction from last year and all the stories we read and all the guys that went into the transfer portal, it's a lot of addition by subtraction. It's a lot of subtraction. So will that lead to addition? We'll see. I mean, they have talent in the secondary. So, they didn't get a pass rush last year. They didn't have a player with three sacks. I right. mean, that, that's what's got it. As much as we're focused on Bobby Petrino, all that talent they recruited on the defensive side of the ball has to show up. But I'm, I don't, the, the contract, the hire, they could go nine and four again or 10 and two or whatever, or 10 and three, and he'll be fine. Unless they go like six and seven, which I don't think they will. He'll take some of the heat off. Mizzou's different because Mizzou, I looked this stat up, they're one and nine against ranked teams the last three years, and they've lost. So everybody remembers how close they were against Georgia. So factor that into this. They've lost those nine games by about 25 points per game. I'm close in some of these, you know, when they play a ranked team. It's not, you know, Sonny Dykes to that comment he made about realignment last week. He took a direct shot at Mizzou and, and moving from the Big 12 to the sec and he's probably right because the reality that mizzou fans might not want to face is they probably belong in the big 12 in football that's their weight class this isn't their weight class and i know they've recruited some talent i know they had success with gary pinkle with those chase daniel teams and uh dgb and and getting to atlanta that's not going to happen in this setup it's just not so i think they're the one no matter who the coach is, that they're going to face this question every three years unless they pull off a couple upsets along the way. 
So back to A&M, what did you think about the question that Fisher was asked about play calling with Bobby Petrino? But Bobby Petrino yesterday and he wouldn't answer the question. Said, is, is Bobby Petrino going to call the plays? And he said, well, we're not going to get into that. And everybody raised their eyebrows because people are worried those two egos can't fit in the same room or, or on the same sideline already. And he has not given up play calling duties, at least publicly. And I think everybody expects him to. Well, yeah. And as somebody joked on Twitter, and I've kind of been using this one line or two in, in variations, that we'll find out on third and eight against Miami. And we'll find out when those cameras are going, camera one, camera two, camera one, because they're going to do that early. They're going to play up this relationship as much as they can. I still think it's going to work out. Jimbo could have been up in front and honest about it. It probably would have been better. It probably been less of a story. Had he Much said, less of a story. Just say it. Just say, yeah, Bobby's going to call the plays. And then that's the end. And then it's not brought up again. Even right. if they're still trying to figure it out. Even if, you know, Fisher has veto power or whatever. Don't make it a story by like, well, Dodging it happened last year with Scott Frost and Mark Whipple at Big Ten Media Day. Same same setup, same question. And Scott had said, you know, it's going to be Mark calling the plays. And then it was, well, are you going to weigh in? What are you going to say? What, are, are you going to help? And that got off to disaster with the loss against Northwestern, and Scott Frost never recovered. So, yeah, I mean, honesty, probably the best policy there. And, and he probably should have – even if he's calling the plays, he should have said – no, I'll start to call him, and we'll see as the season goes on if Bobby gets into a play-calling role. But for now, he he's in a – you know, and that's how this works. But it became a much larger story because he didn't answer the question. Right. He's given it legs when – and it gives the impression they still aren't settled, even after a full spring. So – that was interesting. All right, I got a list of non-conference games. We I shared it with you before the podcast, about seven, eight. What jumped out to you early? Obviously, week one, the LSU-Florida State, that Sunday night game is going to be the game of the weekend and will have a big effect on the national championship race. Yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be a good one right off the go. I mean, the top 10 showdown that, that starts – you know, opposite Florida, Utah, like last year, it's an instant replay of two games that were hidden pieces of the national championship race in a lot of ways. I don't think anybody thought LSU would be in Atlanta after week one, as crazy as that game was. And I don't think anybody thought um, Utah would win the Pac-12 again. And we were trying to crown Anthony Richardson, the Heisman winner and a first round pick, which the first part didn't work out, but he was still a first round pick. So, you know, a lot of the overreactions from week one ended up coming true in a lot of ways. Yeah, that, that'll that be really fun. So Florida makes a re return visit to Utah in week one. I think that might be a Thursday night game. Is that right? Of Labor Day weekend? I don't, I, oh, I don't know. I think, I think it, <laughs> it might I be. Think, yeah, I think that game is Thursday and LSU Florida State is Sunday. So it's interesting that neither one is is on that Labor Day Saturday. But I have to say I'm worried about the Gators. And I don't – I think they are I – mean, they're over under, I think, is six and a half. And it could be another 500 middling type year. Graham Mertz is a quarterback. They just don't have the talent yet. They've got some at running back. Their schedule is scary. Uh, Utah, like we, we talked about, is uh, non-conference. And, you know, they lost last year to Kentucky. They – Lost last year to Vanderbilt, and 
they're not much improved, I don't think, across the way. I don't think Billy Napier is necessarily going to be in trouble, even if they kind of go 500, because that's sort of the expectation. And he took over a team, and, and Dan Mullen did not recruit well towards the end of his tenure, even though they were winning games. And then it all fell apart in that last season, and the recruiting fell way off. But, you know, I'm looking at their schedule, and I just, you know, they have Tennessee early. They've got obviously the Utah game. I think Utah is going to be, I mean, that'll be telling. If they really compete with Utah, that's obviously a good sign. Um, but we'll see what happens when you start a transfer quarterback on the road in the first week of the season. You never know what's going to happen. They've got Florida State also yep. as a non conference game. So the wins, they're not, you know, they've got Charlotte and McNeese State and. That's about it. I mean, even Vanderbilt, like I said, they 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 lost to Vanderbilt last year. So, um, are you as concerned about the Gators as I am? I mean, it's a big year because there's patience, not a virtue there, and they, you know, Dan Mullen, ever since he was not ran off, it just went off the rails with Mullen, and it hasn't really gotten back on. And I, you know, I was first to say when Billy Napier was hired, given his track record at Louisiana, he'd do well. You know, he'd learned from Clemson and Alabama, and been a coach at both of those places. So. Yeah, those games against Utah and bookended against Florida State at the end of the year because there's a good chance Florida State will be competing for maybe a playoff berth, depending on who you ask. So those are both huge games for Florida, and we'll see. But uh, the offensive improvement needs to show. And they did have – I think we're going to ask in a couple years if Anthony Richardson's really good with the Colts. Well, why wasn't that better at Florida that year when he was there other than that first game against Utah? Why couldn't Cliff Kingsbury win with Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech? Um, does UTSA at Tennessee belong on my list as a key non-conference game? I know you're you're high on the Roadrunners. I do. I like them, but I could see them getting in a game where they just can't score with Tennessee. You know, they can score a lot, but it's the same UTSA team I watched lose to Troy last year in the bowl game. Um, but it'll be exciting. I mean, you have Frank Harris running around in Neyland Stadium making plays and Joe Milton on the other end. That's two quarterbacks that we've written a lot about in the offseason, and it should be a lot of fun. Yeah, that'll be one to keep an eye on in week four. So, all right, let's, before we get out of here, before we go to uh, segment two of our little SEC preview, that one that one will be more player-focused. This is more team-focused. Uh, we'll, we'll take a little break. We'll come back, and we will do a, a player-focused segment. But uh, you need to answer the Trochi trivia question. Who scored the fewest points in the SEC in 2022? I mean, it's one or the other. It's either Texas A&M or Florida. And I'm just going to say Texas A&M because I feel like that fits the theme of Petrino and Fisher. So, And I'm not going to say Vanderbilt because it's too easy. So I'll say A&M. Your son's lacrosse team did uh, not take any L's this weekend, but you are taking another L Uh on the CFB Nation All-America podcast. Who was it? You mentioned three teams, none of whom is the answer. (laughs) Who is it then? Kentucky. Oh. With Will Levis, Mr. I think he's going to go in the first round. I think he's going to go in the top five. He ended up going in the second round at quarterback. Kentucky finished 14th Wow, DC in points scored. Texas A&M was 13th. Vanderbilt was 12th. Yes, that so. was close. So I was I was one off. That's not bad. A&M's close. a good Kentucky. Kentucky was the answer. Right. You weren't close. You you mentioned three teams. 
A&M, A&M <laughs> would, was my final guess. So I was one off. It's, it's fine. I can live with that. And, All right. and probably overlook Kentucky be, because of Will Levis. So that is a good tricky trivia question just the same. <laughs> All right. So that's segment one. Stay tuned for segment two. We will be back. But thank you for listening to uh, this part of our SEC preview on the CFB Nation All-America podcast. <laughs> The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com